couple members of the Randy Newman fandom discussing one of his songs at random, followed by another that's a cover. It's Wheel of Randy. Jump on our boards, cause the boards are hot. We're going to the Olympics and we're going nonstop. Rock and roll all the way. Hey, welcome back to Wheel of Randy, your favorite Randy Newman podcast. We are part of the Good Trash Media Network. And let's start the show! It's Wheel of Randy! Folks, we got Nathan Guilford here today. Say hello, Nathan. Hello, hello! Local people may know him as, as part of Buddy South. He is uh, our, our local pedal steel enthusiast, pedal steel uh, master. No, no. I I would call myself a veteran. How about that? Is oh, that, I that's like a good that. Term. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not not necessarily a, a master, not even close, but you know, I can I can I can play a little. How about that? And uh, I, I know that Buddy South is, is is out there on Spotify for people who want want, mm-hmm. want to check them out. And uh, you've been playing a lot live lately. It's nice nice to see some tour dates going out there, right? Or yeah, gigs out there. I don't yeah, see touring. Uh, yeah, played with Buddy South. Uh, we've we've played at uh, Bedlam Barbecue, which is a lot of fun, and big patio. And but I, I'm playing with the band uh, Modulated Spiral Groove too, more rock and roll. Oh, and, okay. Um, um, so they've played some big stages. We got to open for a, a couple of times at the Diamond Ballroom down south, and so that's always fun, big stages. And uh, and then I'm also playing with a group that's uh, Lesser Feast, uh, and that's really fun because it's it's uh, spiritual music, not necessarily Christian, but very spiritual. Um, and uh, I kind of get to be a, a bit of a, a ranger there. It's it's uh, it's a little different than I'm used to. The 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 songs are written by a friend of mine, uh, Tim Sean, and and I. And it's kind of born out of the um, uh, born out of the pandemic, where the only way we could really get together was to you know over Zoom. And so we figured out a way to kind of report our record our parts, and I just kind of put them together. And so we've got quite a few songs and we've kind of started um doing some things around so Very good. it's been a it's been an explosion of music which is is great fun it seems like uh yeah it seems, it seems like we had nothing and now we're ever everyone's just itching to get out everyone's itching to go out and play and everyone's itching out to to, to go out and see something so it's yeah it's, it's nice to see uh i uh would like you to to take a minute and serve as an ambassador to pedal steel because it's a very okay. misunderstood instrument. <laughs> but uh, uh, okay. one, one that I've gotten more and more into uh, over the past few years. So if you could kind of kind of explain, you know, the history of it and, and some of the, the misconceptions that people have about it. Sure. Well, uh, so pedal steel is, it comes from Hawaiian guitar, you know, where you set it on your lap and you play with what started out was the back of a knife, you know, and dragging along the strings to give it a more kind of vocal quality. Uh, And that became very popular late forties, early fifties imported to the mainland. So you had lap steels, but as you know, time marches on and innovation comes, it, it got incorporated into uh, country music most certainly 
and they added strings, added levers and pedals and pulleys and uh, all sorts of mechanical attachments to the guitar and the guitar grew in number of strings. Um, and so it, it, it's a really crazy instrument in that it is not, it's not linear. Um, you know, it's like, if you think about a piano, the piano keys are laid out so that you can jump octaves really easily. And once you learn the key you're in, you're going to hit similar notes as you go along. Mm-hmm. Pedal steel, you can almost forget about knowing what notes you're playing. It's more important what position you are. So like if you're playing a guitar and you're in the key of C, if you move up two frets, you're, you're in the key of D, but you can still play that C chord as long as you don't hit any open notes, okay. right? All right. Well, on a pedal steel, you're always in the same key because you're just moving the frets. To, uh, I'm not the frets. You're moving the, the nuts, the place where the strings attach. Okay. You're moving the nut wherever by moving the bar wherever it goes. So it, it gets complicated very quickly, but you're... That's why the Nashville numbering system works so well. The one, four, five chords, right. you know, yeah, yeah. one, four, five, six minor, two minor, those kinds of things. It's, it's easier to think that way in pedal steel because all of those positions never change no matter what key you're in. So if oh. you played a C chord on a piano, right? C, E, G, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you then have a transpose button, let's say, on your electric keyboard and you hit that transpose button and went up two steps to D, right? But you're still playing the C chord. That would be a similar thing. So I'm always playing in the key of C. (laughs) The problem is, uh, you know, explain that to somebody. No, it's, it's, it, it, I try to think of it in the simplest way that I can because it is a difficult instrument. It's sort of like dancing, really, because you're moving your appendages in different directions to hit different notes. Um, You bend some strings up, you bend some strings down. Um, It's more complicated to talk about it than it is to do it, really, (laughs) is is what it boils down to. Um, But as far as the, the steel itself, kind of how it all functions, it's, it's it's like a combination between a bicycle and a guitar. I mean, there are lots of parts underneath and gears and yeah. and pulleys and uh, you know the, every brand of guitar does it a little differently. And up until recently, there wasn't really any standard changes on a guitar. Every player set up his own steel a different way, and so mm. you could never sit down at someone else's instrument. It was all individual. Huh. Um, but um, I've enjoyed playing it. You know, I was drawn to it because I, I, I kind of faced a choice at one point in my career as a, a career. That's the wrong word. And my hobby as a, as a guitarist, uh, I played guitar for many, many years and I kind of realized I am not going to put in the time to be a guitarist that everyone would want to call and have me set in with their band, which was, you know, a goal of mine was to be able to play out and to, you know, have that flexibility to play with different bands. But if I learn this instrument that everyone kind of knows, Uh uh but no one really plays, if I get kind of okay at it, I might get the call. And (laughs) I've, I've gotten some calls, which has been fun, which has been a lot of fun, but it's, 
it, it really is kind of gaining in popularity a little bit. It's, it's now more in, uh, it's more and more and more uh, uh, showing up in Americana music yeah. uh, in, in sort of the, the cool kind of folksy country that's, that's, uh, that's out there, uh, you know, red dirt stuff has always had that kind of element to it as well. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been good to me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, it's always challenging. There's always a there's there's always a technique that I just my jaw drops open. I hear someone pull it off and just go. I I don't even know. It, it, regardless of whether I can play it or not, I have no idea how they even did that. Uh, you know, like how does that work? <laughs> you know, and so yeah. that's it's always the wonder of it. I uh, I went down a, a YouTube rabbit hole uh, a, a while back and uh, uh, watched Sacred Steel. Uh, oh yeah, which, yeah. It's just the the the, the history of, of of pedal steel in, in the Black Church, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, yes, you know, Robert Randolph kind of kind of reemphasized that to me that, that there's a lot to this instrument right. more than than you know you know. And, up yeah, it Chuck Campbell is is one of those guys. Yeah. I'm just on hee haw. Oh, right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, the, I have, uh, I have kind of dabbled in that a little bit, but that gets back to the whole individual tuning thing. Um, those sacred steel guys, they tune their guitars in a way that one of the two of the strings right in the middle, like the middle C, if you will, it would actually be an E on this guitar, but, um, one, if I understand it right, one pedal will bend a string up and another pedal will bend the adjacent string that's the same pitch down. So you've got the flexibility of major and minor sevenths just flitting back and forth. It mm-hmm. makes it very easy to get those voicings that are that are common in, in that kind of music. So it's really cool. And, uh, and, and I've often thought about setting up my guitar that way to, to play around with it. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not much of a mechanic, so I didn't really pull that off. But you know, it, it, it's 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 really cool stuff. I've enjoyed that too. So you know, for for someone who who wants to, you know, if I was to set up a playlist, uh, <clears throat> who who are, who are some artists that I should should put on there to to really get to know kind of the versatility of it? Well, that is a good question. Um, so I can tell you some pedal steel players but you're not going to be able to search them <laughs> because they're not the front men. Uh, uh, Rusty Young comes to mind. He played with Poco, the band. Um, mm-hmm. And he was, he was like the wild man of pedal steel guitar. He would like turn his guitar on its side and play it and, you know, stand on it and play all this stuff. Crazy. Uh, you know, he, he was, he was sort of like a, a uh, um, showman, uh, you know, uh, but uh, many pedal steel guitarists wind up being session musicians. Mm-hmm. And so they're just kind of on everything. So really, you know, I really like some of the red dirt stuff, um, you know, like, um, Oh, who comes to mind? Let's see. Um, it's escaping me right now. Anyway, I'm sure it'll pop back up, but there's all the classic country, you know, um, that's where steel was always front and center. And, you know, you talk about um, uh, Ray Price uh, is one. He he was uh, a real, uh, in the early 60s, uh, had a lot of steel on his records. Um, the 
um, um, my favorite steel guitarist is uh, Paul Franklin. And Paul Franklin was the man all through the 80s and played with Dire Straits, played with, um, you know, all the Tennessee, you know, Nashville guys. And he was kind of the king of it. Um, I'll tell you, Vince Gill always has steel on his records. And um, many times that's Paul Franklin, too. So um, you just kind of I always was enamored with the sound of the instrument and would try to emulate that playing six string guitar uh, and was befuddled because I couldn't get the sound. You know, I didn't know what it was. And then when I finally figured it out that it's a completely different instrument, it was now I hear it everywhere. So, uh, yeah, Buddy South uh, is out there. T- t- tell me what the other one is, because I've seen her does MSG, but I didn't know what it stood for. Yeah, yeah, MSG. Modulated Spiral Groove. It's what it's, it sounds like a jam band, yeah, right? Yeah, But I learned, I asked him about it, I said, what, what is this? Because they were a thing far before me. I, I, think, um, I think they involved me because I can bring a little more country to the mix playing steel guitar. And so if you can play rock and roll and country, that, that like doubles your chances of getting a gig. Right? There you so, go. you know, it's all about playing out and having fun, but uh, it's modulated spiral groove is the groove that runs around the record in the, in the player. Oh. It's what they told me, you know, so right. I thought it was just a cool name they chose, but apparently there was some thought behind it. So, yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little Randy. What, what song, Randy. Yeah, what song have you brought for us today? Uh, Mama told me, and in parentheses, not to come. I've always wondered <laughs> about the parentheses <laughs> on that. <laughs> Folks, uh, take a couple minutes and listen to this. I'm going to uh, have you all listen to two versions. For, the first version is, is Randy's version off the album 12 Songs. And then... Uh, I know that there's that three dog nights going to come up in conversation. So go ahead and listen to three dog nights version too. And once you've listened to those Spotify users should be able to do that automatically. We will be right back. Okay. I am really glad you, you picked this one, Nathan. This is, is a, a really, really important song uh, in Randy's history. Oh, really? And uh, Okay. I, I, am, I am all ears because I have questions. Okay. Well, let, <laughs> I wanted to talk to Randy Aficionado about it. Well, let, let's start with your questions and we'll see where this goes. I, 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 okay. First of all, my question to you, uh, what prompted you to pick this one? What, 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 what made you say that this, this is one that, that we need to talk about? Well, when I, I, you know, I mean, I know Randy, like, like a lot of folks from Toy Story movies mm-hmm. and from uh, his soundtrack work. Um, so when I went looking, I thought, really? That's Randy Newman wrote that song, uh, and I was surprised. But yeah, I, you know, I was I, it, I was playing it the other day, and Suzanne said, "Oh, I didn't know that was one of his." You know, there, yeah, there are a couple uh, like that, and and you can leave your hat on. That that people are like, oh, right, never right. knew that was him, kind of thing. But you know, now that you say it, it makes sense, right? Like like I think about the song and the kind of quirky vocal that's going on, and the whole. 
like the story aspect of it. I mean, he's he's obviously playing a character, you yeah. know, at this party. And and it's it's well written. I mean, it really is. Like it's not it's not just your average pop song. Uh, it's it's got it's got a weird change in it too in it, the middle. But it does. Um, I fr- from a composition standpoint, I, I really think it's a brilliant mm-hmm. song because it's in four four time, but it's six notes on repeat. So you've got six versus four. So it takes what every three measures for things to sync up again. It's so it, the timing is very, very unique. And uh, it, you know, maybe that's what made it so interesting and made it such a big hit for three dog night. At least I don't know. How did it come out with Randy? Okay. He recorded it. Well, let's talk about the history of this, and I'm going to okay. share my screen a little bit, and and and, and folks can follow along. Uh, Randy wrote this in '67, and he wrote it <laughs> for the animals. Okay, he wrote it for them. Yes, and, and so okay. uh, the animals. Uh, I don't know if you know the history of them. There's a lot of drama, a lot of people leaving the animals and and coming back. So so this is is the Eric Burden uh, version of the animals. Let me play you just a, a quick clip of how they treated it. This is in 67. Some harpsichord in there. (laughs) Harpsichord, yeah. So it's very much that structure that we we hear uh, from uh, from Three Dog Night. There's more horn work Mm -hmm. in it uh, than Mm -hmm. we're used Mm -hmm. to. The foundation is there. Now, that's like the organ takes the place of the horns in Three Dog Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Now, the the I, I say he wrote it for for that. We don't have Randy performing it until 1970 because all through the 60s he okay. was I, I, he wasn't brill building. He was out in L.A. but he was just writing songs for others uh, until like 60, mm-hmm. 69 he decided to put a record out. Uh, so gotcha. the version that the the 1970 version from 12 songs are you familiar with this version yeah yeah uh-huh. so you know it's it it's him and Ry Cooter on guitar uh and mm, yeah and he is playing fast and, and James Gordon on drums okay I'm not familiar with you I love the drum from, work on from this. Derek and the Dominoes oh okay yeah, yeah Derek yeah, and yeah. the Dominoes is mm-hmm. so and, and the 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 album says also Clarence White on it did he play on this too mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm sure somebody is, is, is screaming into their, their, their headphones <laughs> right now. So I, I, I'm sure I will find out as soon as this is fun. Oh, very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one of, the, one of the big differences between uh, you know, you know, Animals and Three Dog Night on one side and then, then Randy's version uh, is, is the tempo. Uh, Three Dog oh, Night okay. does it. 120 beats per minute fine uh-huh. and randy does it he is flying he's doing 130 it's a hectic song mm-hmm. uh, and and he's kind of communicating you know we have this hectic pace we have this kind of jarring three beat versus four beat thing he's communicating yeah. chaos right. this guy really well, that is, makes sense this guy really is terrified at this party <laughs> Uh, he doesn't they're... even know what marijuana is, but he knows that something smells weird with that uh, cigarette uh, over right. there. And and his girlfriend's passed out on the floor. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, 
that that really gets in into the, this thing. Randy's version is so different from everybody else's because mm-hmm. when when he does it in character, uh, there's nothing cool about him. Mm. He is mm. just he really is a fish out of water. Uh, and he says that he wrote this for for people who were uh, who were new to the L.A. club scene. But I think that there's some misdirection there. I think this is a New Orleans song. Oh, okay. Because this guy is so confused that anyone would put sugar in their tea. Huh. So to me, that means that's interesting. He has just landed in New Orleans. He's never even heard of sweet tea, and now he is in the middle of this party and is. Oh, that's good. Huh. Interesting. Nuts. So you know that that's my that's my thought on that. So ta- yeah. Tell me what what questions you have, and I'll I'll do my best so, to talk about the history of this. So, um, so yeah, that was my my question about Randy writing it. If if he was at that time in his career, like I wonder how the history went. So here's my head canon, how it went. You tell me if I'm right. All right. Okay. So Randy writes this song, and he gets contacted that the animals want to record it. Right. And, and the animals he, had done one of his songs uh, a year before they'd done oh they oh so so there was a pipeline there probably so you know he was a known quantity for them okay okay well in that song i I, well let's get back to this does are the animals like imitating his voice in their version of it you know what i'm saying like did he record a demo for them and send it to them or did he write out cheap music and send it to them You, you know what i mean because it's that same kind of cadence that's it sounds really randy when the animals are doing it. And then the same thing when Three Dog Night is doing it. That could you whiskey in the water and just do you know that that, that thing. I, I, I think that Three Dog Night is is being a little more bombastic about it. They're, they're, yeah, well, definitely they are. Yeah, they're, I, but I just wondered if it was an imitation. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I imagine that he sent demos over. I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine the animals being being, being real big sheet music guys. Well, probably not. Probably not. Um, but probably. you know, they they, they definitely made it their own. Uh, and I I don't I don't know. I I'd, I'd never thought of them imitating Randy. You know, he he saw himself at this point just as a songwriter. You know, he doesn't yeah, have any yeah. delusions about what his voice sounds like. Um mm. so, you know, he was was trying to 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 make it like he, he was trying to be, you know, a, a Carol King type type person is what he was trying right. for. Sure. So, um Okay. The the other thing is I would say if it was well, I'm not Randy Newman, obviously, but if it was my record and and I had Ry Cooter in the room, I would have put a guitar solo in that thing. Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Now he he does Ry does get some good solo work on this album. Uh, let's okay. burn, let's burn down the cornfield. Has some some really good good solo work on this. But mm-hmm. yeah, he he, he really. He, he really is kind of in the background on this one. Yeah. To, yeah. to, to be sure. Um, well, it gets to play that dun, 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 dun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it's the lick of the song, at least, you know. But uh, I, I've never heard his Captain Beefheart stuff. Uh, so I'm not really sure what I, early, early rights suffer through it, honestly. Like I, other than this. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, that one escapes me. I, uh, 
but um, I, you know, I know Ryan Cooter mostly from the kind of jazzier stuff that when he was doing uh, Buena Vista Social Club, those, yes, those yes, things. Yes. Uh, but uh, but I know he's a. I mean, he was doing great slide stuff in that too. And hearing that slide guitar in it, and I thought, ah, oh, mm, this is the one I need to talk about for sure. Yeah. <laughs> He really, really does a good job with that. Uh, I like this song because I like this character. You know, I yeah, uh, yeah. I can definitely relate to this guy. I, I wasn't going to a lot of parties. Uh, you know, college, you know, if, if I wasn't studying, I was at church. You know how that goes. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I remember yeah. uh, I was in grad school uh, down in Austin and Suzanne and I went down to, you know, some restaurant on Guadalupe Street. And, you know, I'm 23 years old and walking down the street, I tell Suzanne, what the heck is that smell? She's like, Daniel, shut up. No, no, and it's like, it's smoke, but it's not quite smoke. Daniel, shut up. What? I don't know. I, 23 years old before I had any idea what marijuana smelled like. Uh, Yeah, well... And you know, which okay, that's, that's fine. I'm sure that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not like I'm, I'm looking back on my youth and going, oh, I, I really, uh, I really missed out on anything at all. But yeah, I, I am still am the kind of person who's really uh, uncomfortable at parties, really uncomfortable at shows. Like I, I went to Pony Boy the other night. Um, oh, good. And it was a good show, but I brought a Who book. Who did you see? Uh, I. Kyle Reed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And fantastic. Super creative guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that was great. But you know, I brought a book and sat in the corner and I was perfectly happy doing that. But I was like, uh, I am the least hip person here and pretty sure I'm the oldest person here, but you know, that's okay. I'm not overwhelmed with it. Like I used to be. Age like is just guy. a number, Dan. Age is just a number. I suppose you know? so. Yeah. Yeah. But always liked this guy that uh, that uh, w- w- was overwhelmed and was super mm-hmm. uncomfortable at the party and was just trying to get out of there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, the yo, go ahead. Um, you know, you're talking about about one. You know, the history of this. This was the mm, yes. first song that that really made made Randy any money. You know, he mm, mm-hmm. he had been. Scratching out a living for five or six years, and you know he came from money. It's not like like he was a, a, a starving artist or anything. You know he was you know essentially a, a trust fund you know kid. Uh, but you know this was the first song that really went anywhere, uh, and uh, with Three Dog Night it hit number one, and it was the first number one ever on Casey Kasem's show. That was the week. That, really? Yep. That was wow. the week that, that uh, American Top 40 started. And so the, the first number one ever was a Randy Newman song. By, by so I have to tell you, I, 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 found, a, I found an article uh, on the Vieira Voice, which I guess is a newspaper. It's in the Senior Life section. Okay. Uh, and uh, a column by Randall Hill, Behind the Beat. And it's talking about Mama Told Me Not to Come. And they either interviewed Randy or they talked or they referenced an interview that, that Randy gave about the song. And he says that, uh, to your point, he, uh, he said, it, it says, Newman, who was once dismissed Three Dog Night as teeny boppers, <laughs> experienced a change of heart when massive royalty checks began to roll in. He uh, blah, blah, blah. 
I just want to thank you, the musician chuckled over the phone, for putting my kids through college. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's, he's talked about that before, about how, he, how he's not happy with, he'll, he'll be not happy with the cover, and then the cover will do very well. You know, I, I, yeah. I have nothing against Three Dog Night, and I you know, heard that song you know, on the radio growing up forever and ever. So it's, it's just part, yeah. part of the culture. But it, it really is a different spirit uh, from, this, mm-hmm. from, from the, the characters Randy expressed it. But R- R- Randy said the same thing about You Can Leave Your Hat On. And he said, you know, oh, really? I, I wrote that and was really, really happy with it as this kind of creep who's mumbling at, at, at this girl. Uh, mm-hmm. And the song went nowhere. And then Joe Cocker Joe transposes Cocker it to oh, keys yeah. and sings it, it louder, really? and all of a sudden people relate to it. So I'm like, yeah. I think I'm a great songwriter, and then someone tweaks it and gives it that magic dust, and it's like, oh, well, what do I know what people want? Well, I, you know, was Randy writing it to be popular though? Was was he was he after fame and fortune and all of it? Oh yeah, yeah, he he. You think so? It wasn't just about the the artistry of it, and no, no, it the, the was, fact that he could do it. It was all. He's always been. Uh, I, there, well, there's definitely artistry there, uh, but he he's always been been there for the commission. He's always been there to to, to sell to to the right person. Um, okay, okay. So yeah, that's that's definitely what he was going for. Uh, the the artistic stuff i i don't know i i think that combination of him being born in a wealthy family and mm-hmm. you know having you know success fairly early on uh you know selling you know a few hits right then there then gave him the freedom that he could do whatever he wanted on his records mm-hmm. you know the 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 label loved him if he you know made a record and it it really went nowhere they weren't going to drop him. He could take mm. a lot of risks artistically on this stuff. Um, gotcha. But uh, in one interview, he's talking about commissions. And he said, you know, some songwriters kind of look down on, on what I do with, with my movie work, uh, but they they need to realize that commissions have always been part of the deal. Shostakovich, he wrote, um, Shostakovich would have written a, a commission for a kid's bar mitzvah. He would have charged... <laughs> a million dollars to do it but he would have done it with a smile on his he would have face. Done it. commissions that's are just right. part of the business you know he's, uh, i'm sure he's right yeah so yeah. you know he's had the freedom to to write what he wants and uh the savvy to to give people what they want when when they come calling to him yeah so one thing absolutely I, one thing i like about uh this song we normally do one cover it at the end of the show but there are way too many covers of this yeah it's just all over the place is it i you know i i i knew the the three dog night and uh i saw the animals cover but what what else is there that i should listen to uh yeah i'll I'll play you a couple snippets here let's see if i can okay um because i've got something pulled up and i I may just make a playlist for just covers First of all, our old—it's a new podcast. Yeah, let's let's have a sub podcast to the covers of Mama Told Me Not to Come. Our old friend oh, Tom, Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Oh, good. Yeah, oh good. So yeah, very much. Yeah. Tom, Tom Jones, Jones being in. Tom Jones. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh huh. Are you familiar with Odetta? 
No, I'm uh, not. Odetta was uh, a folk singer. Um, she uh, uh, was uh, very instrumental in the civil rights movement, but for some reason she did a cover of this. Oh, this is the wildest party I ever did see. Wow. Even slower, wow. Yeah, even slower. And she's got yeah. this, this Pearl Bailey thing going through. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I hear it. Wilson Pickett got it on the R&B charts with this. And as I, I've never said a negative thing about Wilson Pickett before, but we lose the magic of the three beats versus four beats on his. He just does this kind of a straight soul. The horn work here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Much more straightforward. Yeah, straightforward, but great horn work on that. Um, oh, yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's really leaning on the bass guitar there, too. Yeah. That's good. It is. Uh, the, uh, that's on Land of a Thousand Dances? Wow. Okay. Uh, I don't think it is. I think that's one of those it's YouTube wrong. montage things. Ah, gotcha. But, you know, he, he, he made the, the R&B charts on this. Uh, they've recently released a Jackson 5 Rarities album that had it. And You're kidding me. Jackson 5? And the, this got, song is everywhere. This, okay, you've got to hear all the text in my this will be this thing. And by the end, uh, oh, there, there's a, a skin in the middle where you hear literally the mom on the phone. He's like, Mom, you got to understand. I can explain why I was there. Oh wow! At one point, Michael's like, uh, "We gotta go home. I don't want to miss the Flintstones." Oh my lord! <laughs> so I was like, "Oh gee, I wonder why this never wasn't got a hit? release." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. So it's on the rarities record, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things that there. Are, I that that's one thing I love about Spotify is you can just enter it in there and see you know a hundred different people taking their take yeah. on. It. Almost all of them are basing it off of Three Dog Night. Well, I, I was going to ask you because the it's, um, I mean, Three Dogs Night, Three Dog Three Dog Night's version is is almost a parody of the song. The the way that they really dial up the the uh, the main character's crazy accent. You know, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's like he's a a child. You know. It, it, it's really over the top and uh, almost to the point where you wonder if he's going, Oh no, why are all these things happening? How did I yeah. get here? Oh. Right. Right. Uh, right. Well, so, he does that, that whistle in the middle, you know, the, you know, I don't remember that part. Yeah, well, it's, it's almost like, you know, like, well, look at this, you know, <laughs> like um, I was almost expecting to end up here anyway. Yeah. <laughs> a little plausible deniability going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, oh, you picked a fun one, man. This 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 was good. Well, let's spin the wheel. What do you say? Let's spin the wheel. Can you see that on your screen? You got the big green thing yes. going here? All right. Uh-huh. When you're feeling lucky, just shout out stop and tell us what you land on. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel. Stop. Something special. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. This is. I don't know this one. If if you're a fan of the Goldie Hawn movie Overboard, 
Oh, well, you know what? I found out today that Randy wrote that, so I, yeah, I'm excited this, to hear. This is the theme from that, and for some reason, a friend of the show, Michael Ross, is a big fan of something special. Pull this up, and let's give this a quick listen. And folks, this is off of Land of Dreams, so take a minute and listen to that, and we will be right back after listening to something special. Well, uh, so yeah, it is what it is. But, it is, what it is. Yeah, you know this is <laughs> this is such a, a a weird time for him. This is is eighty eight when he's doing this. And you know, you know, it's funny. Is I was thinking, I was thinking about when that was playing. I was wondering why I was thinking about the Olympics. I kept going. This is this sounds like the Olympics, and it sounds yeah. like it sounds like you know eighty four. It sounds like. You know, I, I don't know why that is. Maybe Whitney Houston or something. Uh, you know, uh, it's 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 yeah, that whole yeah. that vein. Yeah. Yeah, and th- this was really the only record where he he ever had that synth work in there. Mm. Um, this was uh, Jeff Lynn produced this record. Oh wow! Um, okay. So uh, you know, he's definitely got a lot of influence on there. But but uh, yeah. This is the only the only synth work that you're going to see on on a random. It was very cinematic. It's obviously written for Overboard. It briefly yeah. tells the story of the movie. You know, <laughs> I, I've never seen it. Now that I think about it, but yeah, I've really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all I'm dressed up and nowhere to first. go, and yeah, and uh, say two different people from two different worlds, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the movie. So they said, hey, Randy, write this about this movie. And he went, okay. <laughs> which, which is weird because the rest of this album is pretty autobiographical. Really? First, huh. first four or five songs are about his childhood. And you think that it's going to turn into this you know, thing all, all about you know, his life. And, and then around track five, it's like, nope, <laughs> there goes your theme. Wow. <laughs> now we're just going to throw stuff in. Um, so, you know, this was, he did this about two years after his divorce. So, you know, he's able to, to, to get some, some sentimental love songs out there, even though uh, okay. things aren't going okay. so great for him. All right. Uh, but, you know, he, he's a pro, he can compartmentalize. Yes. Was was that a, a real turning point in his music after his divorce? Did do you see a difference before and after? No, he was really pretty bitter before that. Even okay, uh, and and from from what I've heard, it was the most amicable divorce ever. Oh, really? Okay. Like she she married an interior decorator, and he, Randy hired him to redo his house. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, that's. That's uh yeah that wouldn't normally happen would it? No, you wouldn't. Think so. <laughs> All right, so the the wheel uh I don't know what the wheel's doing there, but uh that's the wheel for you, and you never know what you're gonna get, Nate. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we wrap yes. things up is is this week's cover. This week's cover. And uh, folks, there are tons, like I said, there are tons of versions of Mama Told Me Not to Come. Uh, I'm going to make officially this week's cover uh, by our friend of the show, Jan Rote. He does a bunch of Randy Newman uh, stuff in Dutch. 
uh, including oh a portion of this. Uh, he's uh, had some pretty serious health problems, and we're rooting for him. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, this will cheer him up that he made this week's cover this week. So Jan Rook gets this Nathan this has been great thank you so much how can people get hold of you and and find out about shows and and everything else going on yeah so uh buddy south we've uh we really mainly post all our shows and stuff on facebook um and the same thing really with modulated spiral groove um you just look up those two names and there's really not else of those names well that's not true there is an auto parts store in virginia named buddy south but you know (laughs) easy easy not to confuse the two so yeah that that's fine uh we're on apple music spotify the normal places yeah yep good Mm -hmm. good stuff uh, do, you, do y'all ever hit the road or do you, do you, do you try to stay? We were getting there um, before COVID hit. Uh, we, we played a show down in Dallas and that was promising. We, you know, we had a, uh, we had some good response and uh, we were kind of starting to do follow-ups, but that was, that was in March of 2020. Yep. And uh, then uh, it was over. So uh, yeah, we, we need to kind of build back up now, but Maybe someday. I don't know. We can be weekend warriors. <laughs> there you go. Well, it, 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 if y'all if if y'all are here in in Oklahoma and you you see him on, yeah, go. You'll you'll have a good time. It's good stuff. All right. I think that's about it. Thank you so much for doing this, Nathan. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Wheel of Randy. We are part of the Good Trash Media Network. Thank you to our guests today, and thank you to all my listeners. It means the world to me that you guys spend some time listening to us do this. Our artwork was created by Brian Mays. You can check him out on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. Thanks to Matt Farley at Motern Media for most of our bumper music. You can reach him at Moturn Media. That's M-O-T-E-R-N Media. And chances are he's got a song about anything you can imagine. So check him out. Good stuff. Thank you to Alex Sanchez for our Pod of Second Chances theme. Thank you to Good Trash Media for continuing to host us and continuing to promote us and retweet us. Our opening and closing background music is the one and only Bob Cribby, Avalanche Bob himself. You can check his music out at avalanchebob.bandcamp.com. Thank you very much to his producer, Sam Kogon, for being so cool about letting us use Bob's music. We miss you, Bob. High power, snow power, to the stars, protect the earth. You'll notice we no longer have a sponsor. That's both for legal reasons and because our previous sponsor has gotten so much work, presumably from this show, that he doesn't need to advertise. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. It's Wheel of Rain.